Hi, this is Terry. I produce and co-host this podcast. And like you, I've been hearing all the recent long overdue conversations about the need to put our well-being above our performance or productivity. Our well-being, to be clear, includes both our physical and mental health. And in a world that loudly, obviously, and sometimes viciously assesses our value by the size of our paycheck, the color of our Olympic medal, and the number of hours we put in each week at work at whatever expense, it can be a bold and really difficult choice to say, I can't, I just don't have it in me. Or it would be disrespectful to myself for me to push forward when my tank is so clearly empty. Well, I've been sick, flat out sick. And even though I do have some really good and impactful interviews recorded, right now I don't have the focus or the energy to turn those into episodes yet. So I'm going to walk the talk and lay back down to rest because that is what my body's letting me know it needs after everything it's been through. But I ask you to listen for about 10 more minutes to what was one of our very, very first episodes and the genesis of giving voice to depression. If you've got any comments, please make your voice heard via our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. There's a recorder widget in the upper left corner there where you can leave us anonymous feedback. I really hope to be strong enough to have a new episode together for next week. Thank you for understanding. Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corker Foundation for Mental Health. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of other people who do as well. We've learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame about their experiences makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. Today, we're going to hear you and your story. You're going to put your words to giving voice to depression. It's a little bit like <laughs> getting naked on the internet, you know? It's just so exposing. But again, the whole point of this is if we share our stories, we take some of the, the power and charge away from depression. Exactly. I do. I do see that curtain pulling, you know, pull the curtain back and see the little shriveled Oz man in there. In this case, see the berating, toxic, you know, nasty voice of depression and to allow so many of us to see the commonalities between our bully and our heads. My original title was F mornings, but, um, and I should warn you, there is an F bomb in this, if that offends you. Um, I only say it once, uh, but I changed it to why you shouldn't believe the hate depression spews. So here it is. Morning mantras are a thing. Enlightened people wake and set the day's tone with phrases like, I am enough, or I choose abundance. For the better part of two years, I woke and said, F depression's mantra. 
Sometimes I sort of groaned it with a morning stretch. Other times I shouted it in utter despair and frustration. I was not cursing that I was still alive. I cursed because I was conscious again. Sleep is more an escape for me than a rejuvenation period when I am in that dark place. And waking means I'm in it again. And I know what it looks like, smells like, and feels like. Worst of all, I know what it sounds like. It will be yet another day of berating myself, of parading out the 101 reasons I'm not good enough or successful enough or just enough in general. I'll audition for jobs I won't get, and I will harshly tell myself why. I'll walk past things that really should be cleaned or bills that need paying and be reminded of relationships that need mending or tending and shame myself for not being on my game. Depression convinces me, in my own voice nonetheless, that whatever is bad will only get worse, and whatever could be better is no longer an available option. It's my own brain forming these toxic thoughts, and with a lifelong backstage pass to all things me, it has deadly aim, knowing every single solitary chink in my armor. So I woke each day wanting to go back to sleep. Several times during the day, I would check a clock. How early is way too early to go to bed? I was like a kid on a tedious road trip, but it was my life. Are we there yet? Is there still a there? I wasn't suicidal. I'm grateful my flavor of depression doesn't bring me there. But I was consistently what I call exhausted on a cellular level. No amount of sleep really made a difference. I vividly remember lying in bed on many occasions thinking, this cannot be how my story ends. Alone, underemployed, depressed. I've worked really hard to be the person I am, to develop emotional intelligence, to discover and improve my gifts, to be someone people trust. And yet, depression's darkness told me day after day after day that this was my new normal. This unacceptable existence was the best life had to offer a loser like me. And on my worst days, starting with pungent profanity, I firmly believed it. And then I crossed a line. I was in bed again, and my chest began to hurt. Then my arm. And having read the same articles we all have, I recognized the warning signs of a heart attack. But instead of thinking, oh, I should quickly dial 911 and toss an aspirin under my tongue, instead, I thought, throw the phone. You see, my cell phone was on the nightstand, and I knew if I was found dead in bed with my phone beside me, it would raise questions. But who'd blame me if it was out of reach in the next room? Wait, what? Dead in bed? What the hell is going on? I don't think like that. Yet it had literally not crossed my mind to try to save myself or to get to a nearby hospital for testing. My sole objective in that moment was how to have all the sadness and heaviness end without having to do anything to make that happen and without hurting anyone more than necessary. That is not healthy thinking, and it scared me a lot. I got out of bed, picked up the phone in the next room where I had thrown it, and called my doctor to make an appointment to get back on antidepressants. And so my story did not end the way depression insisted it would. Terry 1, Depression 0. Coming out of that record-long spell, 
I challenged myself to look for ways to use that soul-sucking experience to a positive end, to make some proverbial lemonade so those years didn't feel entirely wasted. It's been just one year since the day I called my doctor. My heart is fine, by the way. It was just badly broken. I'm now the founder and president of a nonprofit corporation, giving voice to Mental Illness, Inc. Its first production is the podcast you're listening to, Giving Voice to Depression. I co-host it, as you know, with my younger sister, who also lives with depression. We interview other people about their experience with depression in the hope that shared stories will not only reduce stigma, but assure listeners they are not alone and that help is available. We want them to reach out before they think of the possibility of death as a relief. For listeners lucky enough not to have depression, we hope that by hearing authentic first-person stories, they will come to understand that depression is not a choice, though both ignorance and stigma are. We have a growing, interactive, supportive Facebook community. And people are learning and writing and talking about their struggles and triumphs, about stigma and bravery, about asking for help, and it being okay not to be okay all the time. I might not have compelling analytics or the types of documentable outcomes that would wow a grant foundation, but I know with certainty that we are making a difference. And most importantly, I can say with utter conviction that depression lies, and you should not believe what that bullying bastard says. You do have talents. You do have worth. You are here for a reason, and so am I. I have not dipped deeply into depression again since going on meds. My body apparently needs them, the way a person with diabetes needs insulin. No shame, just chemistry and genetics. When I wake now, if I say anything, it's let's do this. And you are doing it, Terry. Coming out and putting words to our, you know, nasty bullies in our head and, and just being real and putting it out there is a, is a tall order. It takes courage and bravery and you, as you always do, did it beautifully, Bug. It, it isn't, of course, just my story or there would be no point in putting it out there. There are, you know, hundreds of millions of us who have to listen to that, what I called bullshit, um, because it is, you know, and, and I keep remembering, I believe it was Sarah who said it so nicely when she just said, yes, you know, there is something wrong with this situation. Yes, there is something wrong with this relationship, you know, this job, whatever it is that's got you, I'm going to say down, but you know what I mean? But you're also depressed, you know, and so it, it's a different filter and it's a different lens and you have to, you know, not make any big decisions or judgments until it passes. But God, when it takes a long time to pass, that is a tough job trying to keep faith in yourself when there doesn't seem to be a whole hell of a lot of self at that exact stage. Yes. It's not just the, the, the duration, but, you know, the, the actual, like, is the word magnitude? You know, the power and force and forcefulness that the voice takes is so, you know, to say toxic is one word for it. But it's like, mm -hmm. you know, it requires you to fight so hard. And at the same time, you're feeling so weak. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it, it literally saps you of not just your energy, but your you, you know, oh, that's that great quote that the, the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's vitality. So it takes away all your vitality. And then you've got to like fight for your life. 
and it's not it easy. not easy. And neither is coming out and sharing your story. So thank you, Terry. You are more than welcome, Bridget. Thank you for doing it yourself. I'm so glad that part's over for you, at least for now. I'm not naive enough to think depression's not lurking around some corner ready to pounce at me again sometime, but I still think I'll be better able to handle it now. Um, first of all, it helps that antidepressants definitely are part of my self-care, but also it's just, you know, well, you, and now I can go to the Facebook page and say, ah, you know, it's got me, and hopefully somebody will say to me, hey, wait, you know, and tell me their story that, you know, it passes, remember it passes, remember it passes. There are hundreds of millions of other people that um, will relate to this. Good. I hope so. That's the whole point. It is. We hope that our podcasts bring about a little more understanding or help people articulate their experience of depression a little more. And thanks to each and every person who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. And you can find our podcasts on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, as well as on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe, rate, and respectfully comment. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up.